The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to those expressing them and do not necessarily reflect the OSA Foundation Incorporated or any other group or individual. This podcast may contain dialogue or subject material that could be considered for mature audiences only. All aspects of how you play the game and the OSIP Foundation Incorporated are protected by copyright and other state and federal intellectual property laws. Unauthorized use without the express written consent of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated is strictly prohibited. If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Well, it's that time again. No, it's not time to bite into your tongue and have to deal with that for the entire weekend like I did this past weekend. And boy, does that hurt. It's time for How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSA Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the first episode of the month of March. The year is 2022. So glad everybody can be with us. As always, you can check us out at osafoundation.org. The email address is podcast.osafoundation.org. On social media, facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. We also have select episodes on YouTube. We have uh, our apparel store at Bonfire and our new book on sportsmanship, a critical reader and handbook is available now on Amazon in hardcover, paperback and for Kindle. Uh, We have a fantastic guest with us today. This young man uh, has worked uh, one all-star game, one wild card game, eight division series, seven league championship series and three world series. He recently just retired, which is ironic since he's only 29 years old. That man sitting across from me is Mr. Fielden Colbert Fielden. It's so great to have you with us. How are you today, man? I'm doing great, and I appreciate you having me on, Jack. I knew that there was something up when you said this young man. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel a lot of things these days, but young isn't one of them. <laughs> hey, you know what? There are days sometimes I'm not sure you know, of my own age sometimes, so I try and just make sure everybody knows I look at them and say, you're, you're 29, right? And it's just across the board. And, you know, and that's, it's, if you can shoot your, your age in golf, too, at 29, that's, that's even better. So, you know. <laughs> Well, none of none of those things are in jeopardy for me. I that's sure good. I'm not, I'm not 29. I'm sure, certainly not going to uh, shoot that. So. No, no, that's about my handicap actually right that's now. Right. So, <laughs> um, f- first and foremost, congratulations on it on a great career. Um, you know, it, it has been a pleasure to watch you work uh, it, it, over the past X number of years. Uh, was there any particular reason why now is the time to hang them up? Well, there was a couple of things that came about, you know, uh, I opted out in the, the COVID, the first COVID year and everything. And, and I was, the, the, the thought process was to go another two to three years at the most anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, and opted out and quite frankly, kind of got that first taste of home in, you know, 30 something years. I, I, I was here for birthdays for the first time since the actual births. I was here for, you know, anniversaries and, and all these things that, you know, kind of got used to just coming regular not or routine not to be there. And uh, so to, to see all these things again for the first time in years, it was really nice. And uh, and so that was nice. And then, you know, the spring training the next year rolls around, and which was this past year. And, and I'm all excited to go, be, having not worked for a, a year and, and get out there and everything's going good, felt good and, and all these things. And then, you know, for some reason there was just a couple things not clicking and, and it was just 
the three hours on the field for the last, you know, 30 years have been outstanding. The 21 hours off the field were always tough. The travel, the hotels, the being away from the family, all those things were always difficult. But the three hours on the, the field was always easy. It was the reprieve from all that other stuff. But uh, last year, especially towards right around August, the dog days mm-hmm. always, yep. uh, it just it just got where the, it was just tougher to do. It and it just wasn't enjoyable. And, man, there's no reason to ever have a day on a big league baseball field where you're not enjoying it. And because of that, and because I was a couple years away and all those things, I just thought, you know what? I have given every single uh, ounce of energy I've got to this profession since I got involved. And I thought, you know what? If, if I can't find any enjoyment from it and don't feel like I can give it everything that I think it deserves, not only the professional umpiring, but the, the game itself, then maybe it's just time to to pack it up and go home and call it a career. So that's how it was. It really wasn't anything magical. It was just, you know, you, you know, you hear some people say, ah, you'll know when you know. Yep. Well, I, I think those things kind of came together and it was kind of quick how it happened. And here I am retired. <laughs> well, God bless you, because I think that, you know, there's a lot of people, and not just in baseball, I think in, in so many different walks of life where, for whatever reason, you know, that feeling doesn't hit them or it hits them too late or something like that. So to, to you know, to, to understand that and to make that decision is, is very respectable. And, you know, I look, at, I look at everything that you've done in your career and whatnot, I and mean, God, three World Series is, is you know, nothing, nothing to sneeze at. So, you know, you, you certainly earned it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a blast watching you from, from, you know, this side of the, of the, of the TV and whatnot. Um, I also found it interesting that, you know, you were, you were playing ball as a, as a young man, which since you're 29 was not that long ago, um, you know, but you were, you were a pitcher and an outfielder, uh, and, and a pretty darn good one. What actually made you switch from playing to umpiring? Well, I woke up one morning, uh, things were working out great playing wise, um, it had become quite obvious that I was going to uh, have the chance to play at the next level, which would have been professionally, and and uh, things were coming along fine that way. However, just woke up one morning and arm didn't feel right, and and uh, you know there's different. I ended up having an impingement syndrome and a uh, rotator cuff problem. Ooh. And the thing is, and yeah, and and in yeah. today's world man, you're off the field for a month and a half and they've got you on a throwing program soon after. Right. But in 1984, that was a death sentence. Wow. You know, it was a different world back then. It was major surgery and it was intrusive and the whole nine yards. And quite frankly, it just, it just put an end to that. Cause I, I wasn't that kind of player. I wasn't the kind of player that had enough upside to where, you know, you could have that type surgery uh, at that time and then come back from it and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I had never umpired a day in my life. It just so happened that my college baseball coach had been in professional baseball uh, as an umpire. So he talked about it all the time. And also there would be umpires. I didn't know at the time they were umpired. They would uh, come by the practice field in Charlotte. Uh, they'd be in town to do the the Charlotte Orioles at the time. Mm-hmm. And he would stop practices and go hang out with them for a while. And he would talk about umpiring. So long story short, I decided to umpire a couple of our 
inter-squad games while I was in a sling, I'd stand behind the, the pitcher. And when it was all said and done, I just said, you know what? I, I, I'm really not sure what I want to do. I, I, I guess I was kind of quote unquote, one of those people that put all the, the eggs in that one basket. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, next thing I know I'm down at umpire school and, uh, what, 35, 36 years later, here I am talking umpiring with you. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. I didn't know that your, your coach was an umpire as well. Did you feel that having a coach who was also an umpire, uh, lent an important perspective to the game, especially in terms of sportsmanship and whatnot, because I know that when I coached, you know, I would always tell my kids, you know, first and foremost, and these are, you know, at the time I'm dealing with younger kids and whatnot. So I understand it's kind of a different ball game, but you know, I would say, listen, you know, these are, these are human beings out there, you know, and, and you treat them with respect if there's if there's a question, I'll handle it in a respectable way. Your job is to just you know focus on the game and playing and whatnot. I and mean, how did you feel as a player knowing that your coach had that extra aspect behind it to kind of maybe give you an edge to to how you understood the game? Well, I'll give you uh, two examples of the sportsmanship and how it was introduced to my life, especially dealing with, uh, with umpires. And I'll, first of all, I'll start with my dad. Okay. Um, you know, going back to little league, I remember one time where evidently, and I, I can, I can vaguely remember, uh, umpire called a strike on me, strike three. And I don't, I didn't say anything cause I was just a kid, right. but I obviously gave him a look. And, uh, when that game was over, I, before my dad started the car, you know, he uh, turned around. He said, uh, listen, he said, we need to get something straight. He said, that is a grown man. That's an adult. Happens to be an umpire as well. And let me assure you something. You don't ever do what you did today, again, to an adult or an umpire. He said, or, now you could do this back then. Right. You can't do it today, hardly. Right. He said, or I'll embarrass you right there in front of everybody. Right. Okay, so he made clear that that one, it was an authority figure two, it was an adult Mm -hmm. and it was and that just wasn't going to fly in his household. So I knew real quick that my days of looking at umpires were over (laughs) as far as 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 long as my dad was around. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So so then I get off to college and then again, happens to be that my coach, Gary Robinson, had been in professional baseball and he made it unbelievably clear to us as well that if anybody had anything to say to the umpires, it would be him. Right. And him only. Okay. And he had a, uh, he, he uh, made it uh, again, obviously clear that if you are ejected from a baseball game, you won't just miss that game. You'll miss the two games after that as well. Mm-hmm. And he stood by that because we had a, a person or two that got ejected. And that was the last two that ever got ejected because once everybody saw it, they knew that, you know, if he was willing to do that to a couple of his starters, he was certainly willing to do it to anybody else in that dugout. He was the boss. Right. He ran that part of the uh, the baseball end of it with umpires. And uh, that certainly didn't mean that, that, you know, you always agreed with everything that went on. You just understood where you were going to come from and what your role was going to be 
in that position. You're the player. He's the manager. If there's anybody that's got any problem or wants to discuss anything with umpires, it'll be him. Right. And nobody else. And he wasn't going to share that uh, responsibility with anybody else. So it made it, you know, it, it, it actually made it easy for us because we knew what our expectations were, what was required of us. And that was just, you just go play. Right. And let me worry about the rest. And needless to say, when you do those kind of things, the other types of sportsmanship towards your opponent and, and everybody else, they kind of fall into place. Cause if, you know, if you're, if you're uh, allowed to just run loose on the umpire, you're probably going to run loose with everybody out there yeah. at some point. Yeah. And, and it probably follows you into other places in life too, at that point too, which is. There's, yes. There's you know? no doubt. Listen, I've, I've always felt like uh, most dugouts are a pretty good reflection of the coach or the manager. Mm-hmm. If the, if the coach or the manager is, is kind of the person that yells and screams and all that does this stuff, you know, out loud in front of everybody, then you can bet it's going to be difficult to keep the players from, from doing those things. And, and the, the coaches, managers at whatever level that, you know, handle themselves in a professional manner, manner, their teams typically do that as well. And, you know, I, I think it's a, for me personally, it's always been a good day when you know that you show up, uh, these two teams are going to play. Mm-hmm. You're going to do everything possible to give them whatever ability you've got in you, the best of that. And they're going to go play their game. You're going to do your thing. And it, when it's all said and done, the better team's probably going to win. And and I'm not going to be a part of what happened there one way or the other. Right. It, it's funny you say some stuff like that. You know, I was talking with a couple of other umpires about this. And I know that, you know, from, from, from the, from the position of the guy on the couch who is watching the game on TV and, you know, we don't always have the audio and we, you know, we, we only hear the broadcasters and whatnot. Uh, I know that there is, you know, there, you know, we, we, sometimes we see the gesticulations, we see, you know, the, the, what we, the perceived, uh, you know, frustrations and whatnot and in those types of disputes, but, you know, nine times out of 10, it just seems like, it's not what it's seen, what's actually happening on TV and that, you know, coaches are usually, um, you know, just they're frustrated, but they're not necessarily frustrated at you. You know, you know, sometimes they're just trying to either spark the team or, you know, put on a show. I mean, I remember reading a, a story about uh, Tim McClellan and, and Jack McKeon and how they put on a giant show and all they were doing was talking about we're talking about where they were going to dinner that night and whatnot. And I mean, without without, you know, getting yourself into any trouble or anything like that, did you did you find that that trend kind of happened a little bit more, you know, at least for the pur- purposes of pulling back the curtain and letting the audience know that they're not always as upset with you as as you, they think we think you are? Well, Listen, there's times they've been as upset at me as you, as it appeared to be, right. you know, but I would say this, God, 80% of the time it was, it was the baseball game, right? Man, it's intense. We're not, we're not talking about kids playing it anymore. We're talking about grown men that are doing it for a living. So it's intense out there and, and the crowds into it. And there's, you know, tw- anywhere from 25 to 55,000 people and you put all those things together and it is a recipe at times for some 
some intense, uh, ugly stuff being said, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. However, you hit on it perfectly when you said the majority of the times, it's just somebody that is, they, you know, when a guy's safe or out at second base, that person needs him to be what they need him to be. Right. You know, yeah. they need him to be safe. They don't want him to be out. They don't right. need him to be, they need him to be safe. So they're certainly going to see it that way, especially when it all happens just like that. But it's our job to untangle that quickness and that mess and give them the actual answer to what just took place. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes that comes with some, some real raw feelings, but, uh, you know what? I, I, I look back after all these years and, you know, after all the ejections and after all the arguments, and I really can't think of one time stepping away that I look back and go, you know, I really think that was personal. Yeah. I think that, I think that guy was really being ugly to me in a way that he really meant to be ugly to me. I think it was just, again, the raw emotions of a major league baseball game that you get caught up into. I, I look back on it now and I don't, I don't think there's a time where I can say, I feel like that was personal. I think it was just baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I think at the professional level, that's, I think the, the, the message that, we, I would I would personally like to have sent a little bit more because I think sometimes when we see that, especially young coaches or coaches of Little League and whatnot, they see that on TV and they think, well, that's kind of how I'm supposed to act when I coach my, my son or daughter out, you know, on in, in Little League or whatever level. And that's not necessarily the case. And I wonder if it gets too personal at those younger levels sometimes. And that's the message that has to be sent to say, you know, hey, listen, it's a game. The umpire's doing their best. You're doing your best. As long as you don't make it personal, we are, you know, kind of in that. That's the big thing right there is to say, don't make it personal. Well, you know, I, I watched some of the, the Little League games. My, my daughter played softball mm -hmm. and my son played some baseball for a while and things like that. And I, and I look at some of the things that are said and some of the people would come to me and go, what do you think about this? And what do you think? About? And I'm just sitting there going, they're seven years old. Are we yeah. really thinking much about anything? Yeah. And I have a difficult time with that because I, you know, as much as they think they're being the, the good parent that's really supporting their child and one thing or another, I don't think they see what they're really doing is putting pressure yeah. on their kids because, you know, if mom and dad are that into it, how much should, you know, junior be in? Right. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't understand why there's yelling at all at the little league level. I think I'll go back to, to what my dad said, which is there should be, you know, those games should be fun. Yeah. They should be nothing but fun. And, uh, you know, I don't see why they'd be much yelling at all because yeah. I, I can assure you at the end of the day, nobody's going to lose a house. Nobody's going to lose a car. Nobody's going to lose a life. Nobody's going to lose anything because uh, junior went over two or over three and the team lost and all those things. So again, it, let it be about fun. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Because if, if they're having fun, then who knows? Maybe junior does grow up and be the next, you know, Derek Jeter. Right. But uh, as it stands right now, 
that kind of pressure, I just don't think is good for anybody. I know I would agree. You know, I, I think that, you know, there are even times that I, I scratch my head. You know, I, I, I've been umpiring high school baseball for about 15 years now. And I know that, you know, there are times when I get an assignment and I see the schools that are playing and whatnot. And, you know, the butterflies start to go off because you're, you know, I get afraid like, oh, my God, am I going to get an incident with this team? I know how seriously they take it. And then I start to, to, to feel pressure. And then I'm afraid of am I going to miss the next pitch? You know, and, and that and that I feel like that's not fair to the kids who are trying to play. Jack, let me let me say something there. OK, you couldn't be any more correct. And here's why. I was trained at a level and then put in baseball at a level to progress to the level that I'm at today. So right. I had a I had a ton of training and and a ton of games to get prepared for that World Series right. and how to handle it and things like that. You know, when the the people around here, the amateurs around here leave their primary job to go umpire, it is just that. They're umpiring because they love the game or because they, uh, they want to make some extra money or for whatever reasons. But the bottom line is this. They're only as good as they are. Yeah. There is nothing you're going to do to make them better. You might make them worse, yes. but you will not make them better. And I've, I have, if I've said that to one parent, I've said it to a hundred. Well, what, you know, look at, he's messing up. I said, leave him alone. Yeah. Do you think you yelling at him is going to make him all of a sudden go, ah, you know what? I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be better now. Yeah. That's just not how it works. That guy is a, an engineer by day. He's a whatever he is by day, or she's a whatever she is by, by day, and then shows up to work a, a baseball game, a softball game, a basketball game, whatever. And then they take whatever experience they have at whatever uh, level it is, and they do the best they can do with it. Yeah. And nothing you do is going to make them better. The only thing you can possibly do is make them worse. And they don't do that. They don't do that purposely either. Yeah. It's just it is what it is. But I've I've tried to tell my parents that uh, my parents, the, the parents of the kids <laughs> right. that played with my child, that listen, just understand this: whatever you're getting, the other side's getting it too. And 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 it's not because the guy's incompetent. Because I always follow up with understand this: uh, don't be so sure that you're right. That's very you know, true. That's very true. Let's 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 not get so sure that we start putting this guy down that you don't understand it's you that's wrong. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, we just decide in this in this world we live in that our opinion is not only the only opinion, it is the correct opinion. Right. Right. And that's just not that's not true. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, geez, you you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I can't tell you how many times I've had to say, like, listen, I know you think you know the rules, but in, you know, National Federation of High School rules, a bulk is an immediate dead ball. I'm sorry that your kid hit a, you know, a, a double with two RBIs, but I got to take it off the board. That's not me that, you know, take that up with NFHS. And because <laughs> yes, yeah. that has nothing to do with me. OK, and that's and you're, right. You're absolutely right. And it's, you know, it's it's just oh, man, it's 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 therapeutic 
to, to hear that from someone, you know, like you, who has, who has been there, done that, um, you know, speaking of, of the world series, I, 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 you worked the 2012 world series. And I remember watching the, uh, the documentary that, uh, they did about the third team and whatnot. I, I love the, I love those documentaries. Um, you know, and, and you, you talked a lot and, and whatnot, and, and it, it was so fantastic. Do, do you take any, anything from the fact that they, you know, that, that those producers wanted to provide uh, more insight into what goes into your craft and, and just how honored you were to, to be there and selected to work that series? Well, yeah, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, I think if I remember correctly, that was an hour long documentary. Yes, it was. And, and, uh, and, you know, it's not cheap to put those things together. No, no, it's so not. they didn't they didn't do that just so they could say, hey, you know what? We, we'll need an hour to blow one night. So <laughs> let's just put the umpires on there. Um, you know, they did it well. They took time to 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 speak with us and get to know us and to do the things that they would. I, I'm assuming they would do with the players and anybody else. And I was honored. Um, you know, I went into it. Uh, on eggshells because I'm thinking, oh man, this this could go this could go uh, bad or it could go really bad. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, I didn't see how it was going to be advantageous. Right. But it didn't take long uh, into the filming of it to see that they were trying to give us the opportunity to show who we are and at the same time show the rest of the, uh, the world who we are and what right. we do and what goes into it in an everyday, uh, not, well, not an everyday cause it was the world series. So it certainly wasn't just an everyday game, but uh, yeah, you know what? It was, a, it was a big deal. And I know that they ended up doing another one and it was, uh, it was good. I, I wish they did more. I think, uh, you know, I think anytime you get a chance to shine light on your product, is a good thing. And yeah. there's all parts of this product. You know, there's, there's scouting, there's uh, management side, there's the, the front office side, there's all these different things that I get to see that are unbelievably interesting that nobody else gets to see because they just, you know, they hear about the trades on TV. They don't, they don't get to, to see what really went into those trades and, right. and and the scouts and what they do. And there's so many people in this game that work really hard to make it what I think is the greatest uh, sport on earth. And, and I wish more people got to see those type things. So that documentary on us, um, I was proud of it. I was proud of the way that it started. And I was certainly proud of the way that it, that it ended up and, and, uh, and gave us an opportunity to tell our story. Yeah. And you had a fantastic crew that series. You had, you know, Jerry Davis, Joe West, yep. Danny Asonia, yourself, Brian Onora. And um, was it Brian Gorman was the other one? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you As a matter of fact, I just, it's, it's funny you're talking about this because I was flipping uh, through the TV last night and uh, went to the baseball channel and saw the, the World Series on a tournament. It was game four. So uh, Brian Onora, who's a great friend of mine, was umpiring the plate. And, uh-huh. I seldom ever, uh, you know, watch baseball just for usually because I'm gone out on the field. Well, of course, yeah. Having a chance to watch it. But uh, I couldn't help but stop because they were already in the ninth inning. I know it went to extra innings and I stopped and, and watched the rest of it. And and it was it was nice. I was sitting in the room by myself. Everybody else had gone to bed and, 
And uh, especially now in retirement, it was it was nice to sit there and go, man, I was uh, at one time in my life uh, part of the the biggest game in town. And that is a it's a proud feeling. But at the same time, it's a good feeling knowing how that thing came and out came out uh, with the film, with the crew and everything. So yeah. it was nice. That's, really nice. That's great to hear. You know, I, I, too, wish that they did more of those documentaries. You know, I I. I, I remember just sitting there like like a kid in a candy store, just like with my mouth open, drooling like this is this is great, you know, yeah. like, and I know I know that that's, you know, I'm I'm I might be in the minority there, but I just find those things to be, you know, so, oh, I do, so entertaining. Yeah, I do, too. I yeah. you know, I don't th- I don't think you're in the minority. As a matter of fact, you know, I had a lot of uh, players. Really? I had a lot of. Ma- yeah. Oh, yeah. People inside the game at all levels uh, come up and, 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 you know, tell us, man, you know what, that was, that's good. Yeah. Very insightful. And, and, you know, I, I, again, I think more than anything, it just gives you this personal side. It's, it's not just these robots that come up out of the, the ground and, and umpire the baseball game. Uh, it's, it's humans and, 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 you know, they've got emotions and they got fears and they got intensity and they got all these things too. So, you know, it was, it was intrusive, to a bit because I mean, face it, there's not a bigger, there's not a bigger time in your career than when you're doing the world series. So right. to, so to have those cameras following you around, you know, uh, all of your uh, awakened hours was, you know, it was difficult because you're trying to prepare and all these things, but it was something that needed to be done. And yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that we did it. So it was, uh, it was outstanding. And I'm like you, I wish they would do more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of your crews, I was looking at your your crews from the time you you became a crew chief to now, and I I found three very interesting things I wanted to ask you. The first was, you know, can I assume that you are the reason that uh, Jim Reynolds became the crew chief that he is today, and that you taught him everything that you that you know, and I can just kind of anoint you as the god so that he never forgets that it was you who made it who it was today. As a matter of fact, I don't think that you can just go ahead and do that. I think that you ought to call Mr. Reynolds daily <laughs> and let him know that anything that he does right in the rest of his life will be because of me. Okay. It's not, I'm not talking about just the umpire. I'm talking about marriage, raising kids, no matter what he what, – if it's good, I'm responsible that's, for what he does. That's great. <laughs> oh man, if, if I, uh, it's a good thing I don't have Jim's phone number right now because I would, I would call him daily. I really would. Um, well, I'll give it. I, before okay. we leave, I'll give okay. it. To, <laughs> I'll give it to everybody else watching too. <laughs> oh man, uh, the second thing, you know, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna see uh, Chris Conroy this week for a fundraiser for Ump's Care. Can you, you have any embarrassing stories that I can tell about him to, to everybody that that's there? I wish I did. But <laughs> let me tell you something. There's not a, first of all, there's not a better man on this earth. He yeah. is just a good, good man. And I can tell you, uh, baseball people, uh, better get used to hearing about Chris Conroy. Cause I can tell you something. He is unbelievably talented and he's going to do an awful lot in this game before he's done. And he is, he was a super partner. He's a good man. He is as talented as anybody on this staff and, and uh, uh, baseball has got to be proud to have him. I, I wish I had some embarrassing stories. I do, but I better not share them. <laughs> I better not share them uh, on this uh, podcast. Okay. That's fair. 
I will, I will, <laughs> when I see him, I'll make sure that he knows that you've got his back and, and that, you know, I'll tell him, I'll tell him that you told me instead to, to call Jimmy Reynolds constantly instead. So, uh, that's so, right. he, so he knows, <laughs> um, you know, the, now the third thing is you, you had, um, CB Buckner on your crew for like five straight years. It looks like, you yeah. know, when I first talked with Dale Scott, uh, it was during the, the 2020 uh, postseason, and I remember watching uh, CB work uh, the the series between the Yankees and the Rays, and there was some really unfair criticism. And Dale took the time to post an article, uh, I think at Close Call Sports, about how unfair it was to criticize him and whatnot. And 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 I I totally agreed with him. You know, I I just I don't understand the the rhetoric behind you know the why, why people take the time to make such judgments in, in my opinion quite unfairly there's a reason you cats made it to the big leagues and as far as i'm concerned if you're if you've got a number on your sleeve you 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 know unless there's you know unless you're a call-up umpire and i get all that stuff you know you you have every right to to be there i mean is there do, do you think that there's any reason why or anything that comes to your mind, why why we have such a negative connotation towards certain umpires? Well, I think a lot of it, a lot of it, uh, quite frankly, is is just perception. Yeah, and that, some of those perceptions come from. Uh, I have to say, it's media driven, and yeah. uh, you know, if you tell me something enough, and then I happen to see it one just one time, then it's easy to go, "Yep, yeah, there it is." Uh, yeah, you know, as opposed to. Uh, looking at the body uh, of work that that uh, CB does um, again, you know, I know you, I keep coming back to talking about good people, but at the end of the day, I never separate umpiring and people any more than I do players and people. Mm-hmm. And uh, CB Buckner, I can tell you, is the kind of man that you hope your daughter grows up and marries. Really, he is just an outstanding man. So. Uh, it's tough for me to not take it personal when I see CB getting beat up the way yeah. that he gets beat up from time to time. And especially having been with him for five years, knowing that there's no reason for that. Yeah. Cause I can assure you at the end of the day, I miss some too. Yeah. I miss some pitches too. And I miss some plays too. And Jim Reynolds misses a tons and tons and tons <laughs> and tons. <laughs> but, uh, you know, CB misses plays yeah. and he misses pitches just like everybody else, just like Derek Jeter struck out. Yep. Derek Jeter let balls go through his legs, you know, not many. Right. Not many. And that's the reason he was one of the greatest players ever. But I can assure you this, neither does CB. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that, um, you know, uh, once – once people make that decision, it's just it's just tough to get past it sometime, and especially in our profession. And I have no idea why that is, but it is the way that it is. Uh, 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 perception uh, tends to be reality for people. Yeah. And uh, and that's OK. Listen, when I took this job, I certainly didn't think it would be, uh, you know, gumdrops and lollipops all day long yeah you can say that again so you take it knowing what comes with it cb does a good job handling it but uh you know i'm here to tell you that cb buckner is good at what he does and he's a better man 
then then I, it's just tough to describe. He's just a good man, and he's a dear friend of mine, mm-hmm. and uh, always will be. So, so I guess the lesson here is that if I have three daughters, I want one to marry CB, one to marry Chris Conroy, and the third not to marry Jim Reynolds. Well, if you can get, if you can make it in that order, yes, that's okay. exactly <laughs> how, that's exactly how I would do that. Got it. As a matter of fact, the only thing I would do maybe a little bit more than that. I just wouldn't introduce them to Jim. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, uh, Cubby, when I become a, a stand-up comic, I want you writing all of my jokes. Okay. okay well, I, I, you know, well, it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy when it comes to Jim. No, this is my, <laughs> this is uh Jim and I's life right now. It's, it's just what, it's what we do when we talk, we talk to just about daily, really. Really? I, I'm serious. We okay. talk just about daily. And uh, this is kind of how it goes right okay. here. <laughs> if I if I get an email or a phone call from Jim later and he's and like, it's, you know, it's an unlisted number or anything like that. I am just going to I'm going to go straight to church is what I'm going to do and just say, Lord, that, help me. Help me here. <laughs> the church or a shower. Exactly. One of the two. <laughs> um, it, you know, what's what's one thing I found interesting was um. I think your last your last plate job was that on September 29th of, of 2021 in Atlanta. Uh, remember that? Yeah, you know what? It, it it could have been. It was it was really close to yeah. my last. If it wasn't the last one, it was close. I, I when I was doing research for this interview, I saw a lot of stuff that showed you were on your game that night, and and depending upon which metrics you look at, which you look it looked like you called a perfect game that night. And, and, and as I'm looking at that for, on one hand, I feel you like exuberance and, and, and jubilation, because if that's, if that's the, the way you go out, I'm like, Oh man, that's, that's the way to do it to say, you know, I got 122 out of 122. Right. And that's great. And, and, and yet on the other side, I know that as, as umpires, you know, we're, it's the only prof- profession where we're supposed to start perfect and then get better. And, and, you know, I, it's, there's that weird conflict inside of me that, you know, when, when I, when I hear that kind of stuff, uh, you know, w- w- can you recall feeling anything that night or, or what it's like to, to, to call such a great game? Well, let me say this. Um, a few things took place. One, it was a big series, right? You know, you've got Atlanta and Philly, uh, Philadelphia at that point, And, and it's, you know, Philadelphia needs to win. Right. And if they win, they're in. And if they don't, they're out. So it came down to, to, you know, to basically the last week and it was a huge uh, series. So, you know, needless to say, you, it's not that you don't wrap up for every game because give every game what you got. Right. But at the same time, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that you go in and say, Hey, listen, guys, let's go out here. It's, it's never, you know, never flip it on and off. Let's just stay, you know, in tune with this thing and, and, and do the best we can do here. So that's all I did as far as that's concerned. And the rest of it, quite frankly, is what I would tell anybody any time of the day, which is I will be really, really, really good every single night when everybody around me is really, really, really good. Yeah. And that series was strange in the fact that 
man, that night I had two pitchers that just went after it. They didn't mess around. They wasn't trying to beat the corner here, beat the corner there, and and do this here. And they went after it. They went after the hitters. The hitters went after the pitchers. You know what? It was just a good old baseball game. Yeah. And because of that, I just had to do my part. Yeah. But it certainly made it easier when they were being so aggressive and doing their part. And it was a beautiful thing. It was it was kind of a throwback to when I first, you know, kind of got in this thing. Now these guys are so good. They're so good at what they do. And they, you know, they work that corner to death and work that corner to death and work it to death. And because of that, you know, you're going to get a lot of pitches off the plate or just here or just there. And every now and then you're going to get one that slips by you because you go, man, that's a strike. And then you find out, you know, later that night when you look at it on the pitch track, one thing or another, it was, half an inch off the plate or something like that. I didn't have to worry about it that much at night in Atlanta because uh, they were attacking. They were just attacking the strike zone. So the only thing I had to do was just kind of stay out of the way of it and let them do their thing. And I'm sure you've had some of those games. I don't care what level you umpire, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, ridiculously strange about uh, umpiring the big leagues and little league and high school or college at that matter, as far as when people go out and really play a good game, a yeah. good, a good, a well-played game will typically be a well-officiated game, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's like, um, I, I kind of liken it to my quote unquote day job as, as a professional musician, when, when we're all on in the group, we you feed off of that and and you we all get elevated and all you have yeah. to do is just kind of stay out of the way like you said you know and i i almost wish that more more kids growing up would would take some of that that mindset sometimes and just be like hey just attack the strike zone you know you don't have to nibble at the corners in the first inning just you know pump strikes you're going to you're going to get some outs and you're going to get some strikeouts <laughs> and it's just the, soon, the, the more you do that, the sooner you're going to be back in the dugout, and then the sooner we're all done here. You know. Well, I I certainly don't see why anybody at the lower levels of of entry baseball, you know, little league, the minor leagues of baseball, the senior leagues of all those things. Right. I have no idea why it wouldn't be real simple. You either throw strikes, or I'm going to have you over here sitting with me. Yeah. You know, when you get to college and you get to professional level, uh, I can assure you that you can't just throw everything, you know, right down the plate. Because uh, (laughs) there's a special place for balls that get hit really, really hard (laughs) from a person that just constantly beats the strike zone, you know? So you've got to do it in a way that you know what you're doing. But again, that was another beauty of that, that night. Both of them had big uh, breaking pitches and off-speed pitches. And, man, it's just everything was perfect. It was set up. It's just like you're saying being a, you know, musician. Everybody's got everything in tune. You're feeling the vibe as a group. Yep. You're, in a, 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 you're in a venue that's acoustically well set up for what you're talking about. Man, how do you mess that up? You know? Yep. And, that's, and that's what happened that night. Again, the only thing I had to do was, you know, take the experience that I've, that I have and just call what's there. Yeah. You know, cause they, they, they did the rest. Yeah. And, and it's, it's nice when, you know, I like, like you said, you're, you're, you want everybody to be on 
And at the same time, because the, the game was so well being on for you in a certain way was almost like autopilot because it was like, how, how easy is this? You know, you just raise the right hand when you have to. Yeah. And you know, the, the truth is um, I, you're, you're right for the fact that, you know, the game took place, the game ended. I walk off the field, just like I walk off the hundred times that year and the mm. hundred times a year before and all those kind of things. And I didn't give it a second thought. Yeah. And, and didn't, uh, I didn't walk off going, Oh, I'll tell you one thing. I was money tonight. Yeah. I didn't give it any more thought than any other game. And it wasn't until the next day where somebody said, Hey, you know, by the way, it looks like you might've scored a, yeah. So anyway, yeah. uh, it's just like anything else in life, man. Yeah. I didn't go. I didn't score a perfect game. Everybody around me did their jobs, and and that night we were all big leaguers. Yeah, yeah, you know? it, yeah. It's just like it's just another day at the office. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, one one thing I have to ask you about because I I, I love this. Uh, your strike three mechanic. Uh, I I I said to a buddy of mine who was a minor league umpire for some time. I said. If I ever have to start a new band, I wonder if I would call it Fielding Culbert's Leg Kick. I just, I, I love that mechanic. Did that come from anywhere or is just that just it, natural? It didn't, you know what? It didn't come from uh, anywhere at all, just for the simple fact that, you know, uh, again, I had never umpired a game in my life. Right. Uh, I go to umpire school, having never umpired a game in my life. I get into professional baseball, having never umpired a game in my life. And then you just get out and start going. And one day, uh, once you get past a certain level, they kind of want a little bit more of your personality to be kind of tossed in. And, and uh, it just, I just did it. And, and it's kind of like what I said a few minutes. I didn't think anything about it. Right. And the next thing I know, it's kind of one of those things that kind of gets hung on you. Yeah. And people either, they either like it or they don't like it, you know? And it right. seemed like a lot of people, for some reason, you have no idea how many times uh, people will, I can I can be with friends having dinner and say, "Hey, do that strike that street <laughs> strike three thing." No, are oh, you yeah. no, no, I'm not going to do yeah. that. <laughs> Never. Yeah. I do I do that when there's a strike three. Really? Time, you know? Not not because so, the salad is here. Come on. No, yeah. no, <laughs> no, that's that's not that's not cause for a strike yeah. three. So. Uh, it's it's it, I don't know. It just kind of took on a life of its own. But it's I don't know. There was I can tell you there wasn't any thought that went okay. into it. That's okay. I just love it. I just love it. Well, thank you. I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. That. Um, am I correct in a, in, in I, when I've watched you umpire? Do you did you wear a blue ball bag instead of a black ball bag? <laughs> well, that's kind of another story within itself. Uh, you know, I told you that I had never uh umpired right so uh gary robinson my baseball coach right told me that hey come over here and get my old bag of stuff and i took that to umpire school and uh, used it all for a long time this was back when the bottom of the uh, the plate shoe actually had golf the old metal golf spikes really up. okay yeah, wow so that's, that's how, yeah so and and I, I had the ball bag and the, the funny part is, uh, so I get a job going to professional baseball. My first game behind the plate is in spring training. I go out and first pitch is fouled off one thing or another. 
and I go to throw the ball back. I don't have on a ball bag. Oh, wow. I don't have on a ball bag. And I look over and the guys just kind of like, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, I don't know. Somebody throw him a ball. So uh, we played that game. Needless to say, I vowed that I would never not have a ball bag again. <laughs> I put on that ball bag, which was Gary Robinson's ball bag. And I never took that ball, that ball bag off. That ball bag worked every single game that I've ever worked in professional baseball. And it is held up with patches and different colored uh, sewing uh, string and, and a whole lot of hope. Right. You know, because uh it's got holes in it. There's there's places you could you could hide softballs in it. Oh wow. But I, I, I used I used that uh that ball bag for every game that I ever worked in professional baseball. And they uh our coordinator that kind of did our uniforms would always send me ball bags and said, please change that thing, please change <laughs> that thing. And I never changed it. And it, again, it's funny you ask because I've even had players come up and go. What in the hell is that you got <laughs> holding those balls there? That, you know, because when you get up close, you see all the different colored string and right and all that stuff holding and the patches and all that stuff. And they're all talking about how ugly it is. And then when I tell them the story, they go, "Man, that's cool. That is cool. That is cool." Yeah. And for that reason, like I said, that's the only thing that I have that came into the game with me. And it left the game with me, and it's uh, it it will never be replaced. Are are there any plans to uh, memorialize it on you know on a wall somewhere or anything like that? Well, I tell you, you wouldn't want to bring it inside because <laughs> I am sure that there's trash cans all over the uh, the country that smell far better than that bag. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I just told you, I, I just, if you take the minor leagues and the big leagues as well, we're talking well over probably 6,000 baseball games, wow. 7,000 baseball <laughs> games. So, uh, and you, if, if it were to ever go into a washing machine to be cleaned, I, I, I don't know if we'd find it again, <laughs> just melt. So no, I don't mess with, I just leave it alone. It's, 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 uh, the day that I got home, my trunk, uh, was delivered. I put it in the uh, the trunk in the garage, and it's still out there in the okay. garage. And, and and I'm, but I can assure you this: it it won't ever it won't ever go away. It's it's my it's my one pride and joy. And I'm I'm I don't know for, of all the things we can talk about baseball that 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 have a little nostalgic you know uh, view for me. Right. It would be that ball bag because it was it was just kind of my thing. I, I love it. I love that. I, I think that's so amazing that you, I mean, it, I think it speaks to uh, your, 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 your compassion uh, as a human being to, to, to carry that as long as you did. And, you know, to, I've always wondered that I remember being at a spring training game a couple of years ago and you were working the plate and I saw it and I just said, one day, if I ever talk to him, I got to ask him about that. I'd well, love it is. It is, it is, it is definitely blue and it is a light blue on top of that because it is just, the sun has, has faded it really over the years. It is just, like I said, and it's, it's just held together by, by patches and memories. So <laughs> I love it. I, I just love it. And, and speaking of, uh, of your, your compassion and your heart and whatnot, I'd like to now talk about Ump's Care Charities. Uh, you know, you and I both are involved in a certain way. Talk to me about 
uh, your experiences with with working with the group, uh, how how you you know got involved, what what kind of things you like to do, what you've done and whatnot. Give me give me the lowdown on your experience with that. Well, listen, we could talk umpiring for hours and hours and hours, and man, I've had some some unbelievably good times on the field, some that weren't so good, but uh, when it's all said and done, I have to tell you that. You can take the World Series, you can take those things, and I'm extremely proud of them. But there's nothing that has had the effect on me uh, like Ump's care. Because, yeah, it is, you know, we we go to these cities, uh, you know, nicest cities in the United States, and and we're there working in a big league baseball park, the nicest, uh, you know, the best seat in the house. And, the only thing we did was for a long time was show up, work those games, go back to the hotel. Well, you know, we decided it was time to do us, you know, a little bit more and get involved with these cities that, that have, you know, quite frankly afforded me uh, uh, some unbelievable memories and a life, uh, a lifestyle that I could have never dreamed of. Yeah. And it was time to give back. And because of that, Ump's Care was uh, formed. And, you know, when we started off, we had a plan, but it wasn't a great plan. We just, you know, we're going to bring some kids out to the ballpark and, and let them see the field and how nice the grass is and that kind of stuff. And, and to think back at where we started and where it is today is just unbelievable. And I'm so proud of it because we're doing things now that, that not only touch people for that day, but we're doing things that change people's lives forever. Um, you know, I, I look at the, uh, the, the visits to the pediatric hospitals yeah. and touching and being able to just for a, a couple of hours, walk in and, and see some of these kids that are, you know, in some, and some of them, you know, the fight of their life yes and, and, and being there with their parents and <clears throat> we come in with some build a bears and, and, uh, and, you know, just for a, a few short minutes, we give these kids the opportunity to, to just be kids again. And the parents, the opportunity to to see their kids with a smile, not a, a frown because of the doctors poking and prodding and, and doing all the things, dealing with the, the situation that they've gotten. But, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've, diver- we're close to, we're close to 20,000 Build-A-Bears now wow. that we've delivered. Um, uh, 184 visits to hospitals across the United States. Now we go into the, um, the scholarship program. Mm-hmm. We've uh, we've got close to three hundred thousand dollars that we've provided for uh, older in life adopted kids because you know it's 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 difficult because you know um, my wife and I adopted a child but mm-hmm. we adopted the child uh, from Guatemala at birth so we had the benefits of having the the child's lifetime to prepare for college just like you would if it was a natural birth right well you know when you're older. Uh, the odds of getting adopted go down drastically. So if you do happen to be uh, adopted, those parents don't have the opportunity to save for 18 years to send their kids to school. So, you know, they're kind of behind the eight ball there. So, you know, we give um, each one of these recipients, again, they're adopted later in life, $10,000 a year to, uh, to go towards their uh, uh, college education. And, that changes lives yeah. because, you know, I believe as parents, our, our number one uh, duty is to love and, 
and, and take care of our kids. And then our uh, next biggest uh, uh, duty is to make sure that they're educated. And when you educate somebody, face it, you've given them the, you've given them the footprint to, uh, to a future, you know, and, and to be able to do that with these kids and give them something that changes their lives and changes their lives forever, especially uh, against the odds that they've already come up uh, through that has been for me and listening to the stories, life-changing yeah. because, you know, a lot of these kids, uh, quite frankly, just would not have had the ability to go do this had we not been in a position to uh, help the way that we have. And I know this because they said as much and not just to us, but in, in their stories. And uh, so we've got the other program. We've got the official leadership program where we're going into the, these uh, cities that we, uh, that, that we work in and we're, we're trying to get the, the younger kids involved in officiating like yourself mm-hmm. and to where, you know, it's not just all about playing. We want them to play, but there's also other opportunities out there. And, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's some good weekend money and things like, you know, kids always talk about, you know, how do I make money? Well, I can tell you, I can make a, a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> you go out and get a, you go out and officiate volleyball or softball or baseball man, you can do on a weekend, you can make some good money and you give them those resources to do that. And again, that's something that, that they can take forever. And another, you know, we have the wounded veterans that we have come out to the ballparks and, and, uh, and some of those now we have, uh, some of those people have now gone into umpiring themselves. Really? Yes. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable where it started and where it is today, just recently, you know, we, we've all been, we were all touched by the, uh, the tornadoes that went through Mayfield, Kentucky. Yep. It just, it just devastated that community. Well, because of umps care and, and us reaching out and trip Gibson, having a, a professional, a major league umpire, having been from, from uh, Mayfield, we wanted to help and we were in position to, kind of put it out there we were able to uh, raise forty seven thousand dollars that's fantastic for mayfield kentucky and 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 i know that that's just a it's just a drop in the hat right, right. at the end of the day it's just but it's something and and that's that's all we ever you know from from where we started to where we are today is it, 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 i don't i don't even know how to explain it at times because i never saw it getting here but it has and I'm just telling you, of all my time in baseball, this is my best time. And this is the it's it's going to be the one thing that keeps driving me going forward as far as with baseball, because I am so proud of, of Umps Care's charity and the fact that Major League Baseball itself has gotten behind us and really done an unbelievable job of backing us as well. So it's just a it's it's just it's a great marriage. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember reading the stories about, about Mayfield and, you know, I saw, I remember hearing about Tripp and, and I think DJ Rayburn, who was on your, yeah. your crew, you know, he, he was involved in it as well. And, you know, like you said, you know, it may be a drop in the hat, but that's, that's a substantial gift, I think, to, to be able to provide that community uh, and, and to, and to be able to, you know, to, to recognize those situations. I mean, sometimes in the in the in the nonprofit sector, the, the hardest part is recognizing where you can help. And then once you kind of get that ball rolling, 
everything just becomes so simple. And, and I'm, I'm always amazed at what Ump's Care has been able to do, you know, based upon all of these programs. I've, I've seen the official leadership program in action, and it's, it's, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it, am I correct in remembering, I think, were you mentoring some of the kids who got the scholarships? Yes. I mean, that, that's just fantastic. Uh, yes. It was, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mention that uh, earlier. You know, that's that's what we found out that, you know, we can do more than just hand them $10,000 each year and send them off to college. Right. You know, we can stay in touch with them and be a mentor and talk with them and then become friends. Uh, Catherine and I uh, and her boyfriend now have just become unbelievably good friends because she has since gone off and graduated got herself a job and doing unbelievably well. And again, it's, it's, it's more than just handing somebody uh, money. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, money is nowhere near as important as your time and your, and your, your personal relationships. And, you know, I get to now watch her become the woman that she is becoming. And that just, that's the icing on the cake, right? Because I, I, I watch her go from being, you know, uh, someone that was uh, applying for the scholarship to getting the scholarship to going to school and having the struggles that most people have in school, whether adopted or not. Right. Right. Yep. And 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 then graduating and then getting a job and seeing this thing through the end. So, again, we're talking about now with an education, we've had the ability to touch somebody that for the rest of her life, this scholarship would have played a, a part in. And uh, again, how can you not be proud of that? Uh, you know, uh, again, you know, $10,000, $40,000 for the, for the entire uh, college career might not seem like a, a ton of money in the big scheme of things, but it was the difference maker in being able to go or not go. Yeah. And, uh, and, and for her to see it through and finish and, and now go on and, and land a job, it's man, it's a perfect ending, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 when, when I hear stories like that, it motivates me more to, to just say, I, I want to keep going with this. I, I love these stories. I mean, really the only negative story I heard was from our friend, Amy Rosewater, who said that Jim Wolf always gives way too much candy to, to the kids that come into the umpire room. And I'm, and I said, I, if Jim Wolf is responsible for some, some young poor kids, dental, you know, deterioration, that's, I mean, he's, you know, that's, I can't really comment, but I'm just going to say, I'm going to leave it out there. You know? Well, let's just, let's just do this then because Jim is another one of the good, let's say that Jim didn't do it and let's just blame it on Jim Reynolds. That's fair. Jim Reynolds gave them all the bad. That is, that is totally fair. That is totally fair. uh, You know, these, these programs are unbelievable. Could you imagine when we come into the, to the, to the ballparks and we bring the at-risk kids down and we bring them, uh, we bring them down on the field and we have a goodie bag set up that, that, has, you know, popcorn, peanuts, a hat, a ball of their local team. And some of these kids have been living in, in, in these cities for, you know, needless to say their whole life, but some of them are 14, 15, 16 years old, never been to a game because, yeah. you know, they're just not in the position to. And now not only are they there, they're down on the field and they get this bag. And we don't just give them this bag. We give them in this bag. We have a little credit card thing. That they can go up and they can buy uh, the drinks and the hot dogs and the things. And that day 
when they sit down in those seats, they're no different than anybody else. Yeah. They're, they're, they're right amongst everybody else in this world, sitting down, having their popcorn and their peanuts and every, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing, nothing that separates them from anybody else. And that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, again, you never know what an impact of a day like that makes, Yeah, you know, maybe it, maybe it doesn't make the impact you always want it to, to make. Right. But I'll guarantee you this, it can't be wrong. No, no, that's going to, it stays with them. It stays with them. It it can't be, it can't be wrong. Yeah. You know, you're 110% correct. Uh, Cubby, before we wrap, I just wanted to give you, you the floor. If there's anything else that you'd like to promote or, or say, whether it's umps care or not. I mean, this has been so wonderful and I just want to make sure that you have the opportunity. If there's anything else that you'd like to share, you know, to, to, to promote charity wise, whatever the floor is yours, please. If there's anything. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's very kind of you. This is just like the, the world series uh, documentary. Anytime we get a chance, to, you know, put ourselves out there and be seen and heard. Uh, people get a chance to see that, you know, we're not just that uh, argumentative, you know, uh, person that that's that uh, we appear to be sometimes right. on TV. Uh, we're just we're just regular people trying to do regular things in a regular world, and and we have our struggles and good days just like anybody else. Uh, so I thank you for giving me the chance to do that. Second of all, you know, uh, anybody out there listening. Uh, I can assure you that every single dollar we raise makes a difference. You know, these things don't, they just don't happen uh, because we want them to happen. They happen because people take the time to donate and people take the time to donate uh, big amounts and people take time to donate small amounts. And I can assure you all of them add up. We need them all. And if, uh, if you feel uh, compelled to do so, if you'll go to umpscare.com, you can find uh, a number of ways that you can donate uh, to certain programs if you want it to go here or there. But, but uh, we can uh, assure you that we'll, we'll be good, uh, uh, good with the money that you donate and get it to the right causes. And uh, that's it. I appreciate it. Uh, and I hope everybody will take the time to go look at the umpscare uh, website just to kind of cruise through it and see what you think. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. You know, as, as I said to you, when I, when I first reached out, you know, it's, it's like meeting an idol and, and, you know, I just, I, I, I'm just so tickled that, you know, someone that I have watched for, you know, X number of years, you know, and have appreciated their body of work has been able to take the time today. And I feel very honored and blessed to, to have you on the show. And, you know, I hope we can do it again someday. And uh, I hope that, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll find ourselves on the golf course together. And I know you'll, you'll outdrive me every single time because I just, I, for whatever reason, I am slicing like there is no tomorrow right now. And just I can't get the ball <laughs> in the middle of the fairway. So what? It, then if, if that's the way you're hitting it, it'll just be an ugly thing all the way yeah. between the two of us. <laughs> so. I, I, went out, I went out with the, the guy who who's the, the producer engineer of this show who, who couldn't be with us today. We went out last week for the first time this year and we were just like, what are, what are we doing here? And I, was, and I shot like a 105 and I looked at his and I said, how did you shoot an 83? 
And so I made him buy dinner. So it was, I mean, so <laughs> there you go. I said, and, and the next thing I know, Jim Reynolds shows up and I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's about ready to like start yelling at me and whatnot. And it was it's a weird day. It's a weird day. Let me tell you. Um, I, I probably should have never gotten out of bed, but um, <laughs> Cubby, thank you so much again. Um, I, I really appreciate it. And, and I, I sure hope that we can do this again uh, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, talk the craft and whatnot and promote Ump's care because it's, it, it means the world to me. And, and I hope, you know, I just, I'm, I'm glad I got to tell you that person to person that, you know, that you, you know, you talk about how you have, you know, been able to touch someone's life, uh, like the people that you mentor with the scholarship and whatnot. Well, I can assure you that you're, you're touching my life too. So, so I really, I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I, uh, again, I appreciate you, you having me on and I, I want uh, anybody that might be listening to this to understand that I, that I appreciate every single amateur umpire across this country, not just umpires, but uh, football officials, basketball officials. Uh, if you're doing this, you're, you're, you're doing good. And uh, just hang in there and just keep, uh, keep working hard and giving the game uh, everything that it's got. And, and I always tell every amateur umpire that I know, you know, you, you umpire that game. I don't care what level it is like it's the World Series, because to somebody on that field, it will be. That'll be as good as it gets one day, Yeah, you know, because they don't all go on to play Major League Baseball. So that day might be the World Series to them. They just don't know it at the time. So give it everything that you got. Amen. From, from, from your lips to God's ears and all of our ears. Um, everybody out there listening, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, remember, osipfoundation.org. Umpscare.com is where you can make the donations as well. Uh, check out the site. You can always contact our show at podcast at osafoundation.org, uh, facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. Select episodes are on YouTube right now. Our apparel stores at Bonfire and our book on sportsmanship is available on Amazon right now. So we'll talk to everybody in just a few short weeks. And until then, everybody, please treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org.